Welcome to the program. Thank you for joining us today on the journey towards self-mastery. Welcome to Black Thought University, our monthly program that aims to help the Black mind think, develop, and grow. I'm here today with Professor Paul Robinson, creator of Black Thought, and Dr. Naima Robinson, our historian. Let's start thinking. For those of us that went to college, if you could sit back and think about your college experience, how many things did you have to learn the hard way? How many mistakes did you make your freshman year? How many financial errors are you still paying for today? This is exactly why we have to do programs like this. So the mistakes that we made in the past does not have to become the mistakes our children make in the future. Today, we have two heavy hitters in the field of education. We have Antoinette Shervington, who's a 25-year veteran guidance counselor in the Brentwood School District. She specializes in education empowerment services in the area of college and career readiness. She's also a resource for students engaged in college scholarship opportunities and school programs. We also have Mr. William Clyde joining us later on. Mr. Clyde has over 35 years experience helping young Black people transform their lives through college. He served as director of the HEOP program at LIU Post for 35 years, and he now serves as director of the EOP program at Nassau Community College. So we got over 60 years of experience here. All right, so we're going to start off with Miss Antoinette Shervington. Antoinette, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Good evening. Now you're making me feel old. And, and by the way, William Clyde and I have worked together on many projects for years. So he's a wonderful uh, advocate for our students, a great resource. And I look forward to, to seeing him on the line later on this evening as well. Yes, yes, yes. We, we don't say old. You are experienced. You are experienced. experienced. Okay, I'll accept <laughs> that. Okay. Yes, yes. Um, and... You know, um, I just wanted to kind of get started with just the idea of a guidance counselor, because um, sometimes, you know, I think about guidance counselors and I see some of the work that guidance counselors do at different schools, not you, but some other counselors. I'm like, what is it that counselors are supposed to be doing? Like, what? <laughs> so, right. okay. so when we look at <laughs> so when we look at the term guidance counselor, right, what 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 should be our expectations? What should we expect? from a guidance counselor, like bare minimum, like what, what should they be well, doing I will for us? tell you what I, what I engage in on a daily basis. Um, every day is a different day, but I start with um, the socio-emotional state of students who come into my office. What are they feeling, their emotions, what they're experiencing at home, what they're experiencing in school, um, because you can't address the cognitive unless you deal with the affect. These kids are coming from different various backgrounds, and you don't know what transpired 24 hours before them coming into the school. So as a guidance counselor, you're always attuned to what is going on um, in the hallways and, of course, individually with students as they come in and to present. So I always want to talk to them about um, how they are doing, what they're experiencing, um, any peer pressures, those types of things that are going on, um, and also kind of engage them in well, there are things that are within their control, how they respond to different scenarios that they're going through. So I, I enjoy doing that individually, one-on-one -on -one counseling, group settings, peer counseling. Um, those things need to be addressed as 
first and foremost. And then we take a look at the career and college readiness, which is one of the aspects that you're focusing on this evening. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's important for young people to kind of get an idea of their own skills, talents, and abilities, and things that they themselves may need to develop. They need to even begin to explore what careers entail, um, what proficiencies are required for each individual area that they may be interested in. I mean, I have students all the time that come in and they may name a particular career and have no idea of the day-to-day -day functions, the education preparedness, nor what they need to possess inside to be successful in that career. So then we start to do career exploration. We start to do career assessments. So in addition to the socio-emotional, there's career readiness. And then there's the college readiness piece, what type of academic courses they need to pursue in high school so that they, when they get on the college campus, they are prepared for the rigors of college. And so you want to challenge students to continue to grow and learn and not just accept the bare minimum work that some of the students think that is acceptable. As you know, it is not. They need mm. to continue to excel. Right. Um, and then as Paul, you call him Professor Robinson, can attest, I am very much engaged in um, helping students to kind of connect with community service endeavors mm -hmm. so that they can develop their leadership skills um, and that they can get a sense of giving back uh, and also being connected to the community. And those are some of the things, believe it or not, that will um, open the door for many scholarships because there's academic scholarships, but a lot of students are unaware that there are community service scholarships as well. I, you know, I can name a few off the bat. Um, Toyota, if you Google Toyota Community Service Scholarship, it's based on what the students actually do and give back in time. So you can have a student that have a B average and 80 average and get a substantial amount of scholarship money because they have devoted themselves, they have altruistic natures, they've given back to the community, they've been, been involved in civic um, engagement. And so, you know, and even colleges look for students who are well-rounded, not just the students who excel in a classroom, but how do you affect positive change? And so I think there are a lot of pieces to guidance um, that, um, that should be in place. And of course, I deal with crisis management, mm. anger management, um, teen pregnancies, you just, the gamut, whatever comes through the door, that's what I deal with. Got you. Got you. Now, now I hope that answers your question a little bit. It does. It, it answers the question of what Antoinette does, you know, and I think it sounds like you go above and beyond. Now, when we look at like the average guidance counselor is everything that you mentioned, is that what we should expect in our that's average what you guidance? Should hmm. Absolutely. Hmm. Absolutely. Um, and again, I think that the more informed you are um, as a parent or even as a student, because students can self-advocate as well, in terms of knowing what should be provided, you can know what to ask for right. when you walk into the guidance, what services are provided. Um, thankfully, because of technology, all of the district uh, guidance, uh, district uh, school districts should have, um, you know, on their their platforms, on their websites, um, a breakdown of the guidance department and what's available, um, you know, different links to the students now, direct email access for parents so that they can communicate with their guidance counselors. Many of the districts now uh, utilize what's called Parent Square, which is a direct messenger app. Um, mm -hmm. So when I 
and teams, of course, Microsoft teams, most of the districts are engaging. So the communication now more than ever is more immediate, if that makes sense. So right. for and, and again, I can only personalize and, and, and what I know what my colleagues in my district does and also many other districts when I talk to them. That's an open communication and that's something that everyone should be taking advantage of. So whereas before you would have to wait for a guidance appointment, let's say, now if you have an immediate need, that can be communicated electronically. Got it, got it, got it. All right. Um so I do know like uh, you know, some schools where I talk to uh, kids, it's like the last thing they want to do is go to their guidance counselor because obviously they're not doing all the things that that you mentioned, right? So, if like I am, you know, a parent and you know my child needs certain services or they're they're they, it's their junior senior year and they should be preparing for college and this and that and the third, and um, their uh, guidance counselor has not met with them, you know, has not said anything to them. Um, seems like they, they could care less kind of thing. Like what can the student or the parent do to kind of, you know what I mean? To, to get the services they need or to look elsewhere. Absolutely. I, and I understand that because sometimes depending upon which districts you're dealing with large volume numbers of students, but that's still no excuse for that, um, type of communication to take place. I think that Many of the districts and even the larger districts will start out with like a senior night or even back to school night, parent night. Sometimes when they have um, back to school night, the parents are focused on the educators, but the guidance staff is in place. That's the opportune time. And uh, even in Brentwood, we have our back to school night. That's the opportune time for you to go in, whether it's a virtual meeting, whether it's an in-person meeting to, um, you know, introduce yourself, have your student introduce themselves. The other thing that um, you and I talked about a little bit earlier was the fact that a, an email is a paper trail. Mm. An email is an outreach. An email from either the parent or the student introducing and also stating what the need is shows that you took the initiative to get information. And we are information givers. We are supposed to be responding to that. So in fact, I always tell parents and I always tell students, um, even in forums like this, your best tool is a written communication in terms of what is transpiring, what you are looking for, what you need, even if it's a basic introduction. I have emails all the time from parents that say, hi, good evening, Ms. Sherrington, or good day, Ms. Sherrington, I'm so-and-so's mother. Um, my child has a specific um, situation that I want to bring to your attention. And it kind of, it, it allows me to make a connection immediately with both mm -hmm. the parent and to call that student down. And, you know, even students themselves, again, we have a lot of students um, that uh, take the initiative to make themselves known. And I always say, you're a junior, you're a senior, even a freshman, set yourself apart from the masses. And you do that by outreaching. You do that by dropping by and, and you know, find out if there's an open door policy even with COVID, you know, I tell students, I sent out a chat to students, if you have a free period, if you have a lunch period, that's the opportune time for you to just come by and introduce yourself to me. Um, come up to me if you see me in the hall, that type of thing. So students need to kind of uh, engage. And of course, you know, we know it's difficult, some, um, especially in this era, but there should be some way for those students and parents to, to kind of engage with the counselor. Mm -hmm. And um, we work uh together with the the social worker and the psychologist and all of those 
um, PPS or a pupil personnel service providers in the school district to make a team approach for the student. Right. So if there's any issue, now that's of course, if there's an issue, if there's no issue, students should be attuned to the communication that we give out, um, letting them know about different programs, different meetings after school. Um, and there should be, each district should have a, a centralized um, communication platform that they're using. We, again, we're using Parent Square. So you want to find out from your, that counselor what is the communication platform that the parents can can check daily. You know, we have daily posts, and, and I get a lot of information. I get a lot of feedback from parents from those posts. Right, right. Um, Make the counselor work for you. We, you're paying taxes. You're paying our salary. Make that counselor work. Don't let, don't take uh, non communication. And again, the paper trail will allow you to go to that person's supervisor if necessary. Uh, I was I was just about to say that the paper trail cannot be the denied. The paper trail, absolutely, absolutely, and it goes both ways. Because I'll answer a, a parent back, and the parent said, "Well, you know," no. I said, "Well, wait a minute now. Let's take a look. Let's go back and see what communication I've had with your child and the communication that your child has had with me. It's it's a two way." And I'm very, very, I mean, I don't lead, again, this is my my uh, personal standard. If a parent calls me that day, I don't leave the school until I call that parent back. Mm, I think that's a great policy to have. And, um, you know, I hope the paper trail does work for parents to get the services that they need. But let's just say they send the paper trail, they send an email, and they still have, you know, nothing from the guidance counselor in regards to the help that their kid needs. What outside resources can they look at to kind of fulfill some of the things that that's not being met at the school? Well, first of all, if we want to still work within a school because that is behavior that's unacceptable, that's professional negligence and that's unacceptable. Mm. And again, if they use the paper trail, all of the district guidance, there's a hierarchy. We all have a district coordinator of guidance. And so I would encourage those parents because there are resources available within the school um, to, to make sure that they outreach to that district coordinator of guidance just to kind of bring that to that person's attention because um, you, d you don't want to be in that situation where your child is unable to get information that can only come from a guidance counselor. There are a lot of outside resources, but when your child is applying for college, the guidance counselor is the person that's going to be processing the college application, furnishing and signing off on the transcript. We have to make sure and ensure that each child meets the New York State Regents requirements for a Regents Diploma, Advanced Regents Diploma. So while I do understand that there are outside agencies and we can talk about those agencies, there's, there's a slew of support agencies out there. But if you have a situation where your child is not being serviced by that particular assigned guidance counselor, please, please reach out to the district coordinator of guidance and let that person uh, become aware that you have a problem. Got it. Got it. Got it. Um, yeah, I think uh, that that is super important. Just keeping the paper trail, understanding that it is the guidance counselor's job to make sure, you know, your child is getting the services that they need. Um, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So like uh, I know you do a lot of like college um, readiness and prep type of things. Um, what what have been some of the things I guess you've done in the past that you found to be like really successful in preparing kids to go into that, that next level? Well, when I meet students, um, I've been fortunate to uh, have students um, 
you know, to be the consecutive counselor assigned for students when, when I worked uh, with students in the high school at Brentwood High School. So I would see the growth. I would be their 10th grade, 11th grade, and then finally um, also see them through their senior year. And so, you know, I try to focus on their academic preparedness um, and just try to make sure that if there are some deficiencies, especially in the area of writing and communication, um, that we address those while they're in high school and that we reframe the whole issue of tutoring and, and AIS and academic intervention services and just getting them engaged so that they want to grow, that they want to be able to to uh, develop skills that will help them to be successful in college and to, take, to have them take a look early on at the college requirements because you'll have students who have an idea of what college they want to go to and they have no idea of their admission standards that they need in order to get into that college or no idea of what an SAT or ACT um, exam looks like. And so just to try to encourage them with that. One of the most successful and powerful tools that I like to use is I like to bring my alumni back, my, you know, the, the students who have gone and who have sat in their seats and who've gone on to be successful and to kind of let them come back and say, if you could do high school over again, what would you do? Mm. You know, and then also to develop their leadership skills as well by joining clubs, activities, um, the community service. I do do a lot of um, outside interagency coordination with a, along the Suffolk County Police Athletic League, any type of civic opportunity for them to um, make a difference in their community. I try to engage students in all arenas of their experience. And I think that that's very important because as you know, and I'm sure William Clyde, I see he's on the line, can probably attest to the fact that um, if you are developing a competitive college portfolio, the first thing the colleges are going to look at is your academics. Then they're going to mm -hmm. look at your SATs, your ACT scores. Now, thankfully, there are many institutions that are now going uh, SAT and ACT optional, um, and they do look at other indicators of success. They're going to look at your college essay. Everyone has a story. Everyone has a, a, your goals, your aspirations, the skills and qualities that you have that you feel would would allow you to be successful in a particular chosen area. Right. What did you have to overcome? Just don't list the activities in school, but what did you develop from those activities? Mm. What were some challenges that you've had to overcome? Mm. All right. And so then we, we help the student with that to help them find their voice. The other thing that they look at is they look at substantial letters of recommendations. I try to tell students, you want to go for the highest level of recommendation that you can get. Mm -hmm. Community leaders, church leaders, volunteer organizations make reference to your character as well as the academic references that will come from teachers and, of course, from the guidance counselors. And then I like to help them look at the college scholarship databases and resources. There's so much money out there. And so I like to sit with parents and go over that as well. So there's a lot of little pieces that are involved um, in getting that college, that student from high school into college. Yeah, that is amazing work right there, man. And I especially like that you mentioned, like bringing back kids that have already experienced some of these things. Because I feel I like sometimes when, when we talk to, to to some of the students, like sometimes they're like, well, this was like when you went to college kind of thing, like, and. You know, when they when you get somebody young, they kind of have that 
that experience that they can recognize and you know be familiar with. So I think that's a great thing. Um, Absolutely. We actually, even just recently, we did a virtual alumni panel. And then I do summer work. So I engage in a summer bridge program um, for our incoming freshmen. And I actually brought back alumni. They were masked up. They told their stories. Um, they shared their then and now. And it was just so inspirational. And they, they get real. I mean, it's so important to, to keep that piece going, especially in a district like Brentwood, mm. where sometimes you can't see beyond the immediate situation. And they need to hear that, yeah, you can you can be successful Indeed. and that there are resources out there, financial aid, scholarships, academic programs. And I don't want to get into what William does. Um, <laughs> and I'm sure he's going to talk about his program. But, um, you know, there are definitely uh mechanisms and avenues to attain a college degree, no matter what your income level is. Mm, indeed, indeed. Speaking of Mr. Clyde, thank you for joining us, Mr. Clyde. I know you had a busy day today, sir. Uh, thank you, I did. And um, it's nice to see that people will give up their Saturday night at nine o'clock to <laughs> have some conversation. So for all of you that are on the line, uh, my apologies. This was supposed to happen a little earlier this evening. But my schedule got a little tied up, so uh, Brother Mr. G wanted to extend this beyond our original time. So I thank you all for your patience and diligence to share in conversation. And to my friend and wonderful colleague, Madam Shervington, uh, we will certainly share. Hello, William. <laughs> uh, some some decent not information. Why. No, no, no. Don't let, let's not let's not bestow titles that haven't been earned. <laughs> <laughs> you are. Oh, Yes, he has. Yes, he has. I think that we can definitely infuse both of you into, you know, our questions for today, especially, you know, we just mentioned 60 years of experience combined, over 60 years of experience combined. So I think, um, you know, you guys have a lot of gems for us today. I was mentioning the idea of a college student, like what that looks like. And I think a lot of times, like uh, adults kind of put that on kids, like, you know, you're not college ready or college might not be for you kind of thing. And I know that you've worked with, you know, the EOP program and HEOP program and students that people might not expect to be in college and whatnot or to be successful in college. And you've gone through them from the beginning of not knowing, you know, a lot of things to, to them graduating from school. So you've seen the success of those type of kids. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on, um, you know, that whole ideology that, you know, there's, there's certain kids that just won't make it in college and, you know, college is not for them and we need to get them in another route kind of thing. All right. Well, certainly we have to talk about, you know, college as, as we look at it today. And we can certainly be clear that not every student would be ready to go to college, not to suggest that they're not college ready, but they, in, in fact, may not have the mindset nor diligence or the discipline to pursue a college education. Certainly within the realm of the opportunity program, which I've been involved with for a couple of days, we've seen a number of students who were told that they did not have the profile or they were told that they were not college material. And certainly a lot of those negative influences, influences and messages were then passed to them. And lo and behold, programs like EOP, EOP, Seek and College Discovery, certainly here in New York State, have helped to sh turn that a narrative 180 degrees around. Mm -hmm. So it's really more about what does does this young person bring to the table and hearing my my dear friend and colleague, Ms. Shervington, at the beginning to suggest what is that 
young person's story because everyone mm-hmm. does have a story. Mm-hmm. Not every story is a rags to riches story. Not every story is a tragic story, a story nonetheless. And that is the story that needs to be told right. and to, de- to develop that into what do you want to do in the future? And it's about certainly suggesting to our young adults what has influenced you, what do you have goals and aspirations for, and then how do you get there? Hmm. And also there's the pragmatic and there's the practical. And then we also have to be very real. We now say authentic, but however we choose that adjective, but certainly meeting that young adult eye to eye and then really seeing what it is that they can do. So from my standpoint, when I look at a young person who is applying, especially now in my new role as the director of EOP at Nassau Community College, what are, what are, what are they saying to us? And how can we help them? How can we help them achieve? Hmm. So what were some of those things that they encountered? How can we help to pull back some of the, the layers and get to their core and say, how do we use that to get them to the next level? Mm, got it, got it, got it. Um, before we get into like the exact things about, you know, college and prepping, I wanted to get into some terminology that I think, you know, a lot of times we aren't too familiar with before we have to actually do it. So I want to bounce back between you, Mr. Clyde, and uh, Ms. Shervington um, about some of this terminology. Uh, Mr. Clyde, I know you've heard the word FAFSA a million times, <laughs> uh, but a lot of us don't know what that is. Uh, prior to college, I didn't even know what FAFSA was. I thought it was a form that you had to get, you know, a professional to fill out for you or something like that. And, you know, I wasn't able to do it on my own. So I, I, when I heard of it, I was like looking for people to that that I knew were like professionals that would be able to like kind of help me fill it out or whatever. So I had no idea what it was. So um, for those of us that don't know, Mr. Clyde, can you share with us exactly what we should know about FAFSA and what it is? Well, first and foremost, the free application for student aid is really the gateway to finding out how much money is available to you to help pay for your education. And FAFSA could be also termed Free, F R E E. Because when you apply, that, visa that's money. That's a very good point. Yes. Feel free to butt in, Ms. Shervington. <laughs> <laughs> I will, William and, William and I talk. You know what? That's a very good point because there are um, different businesses that will try to charge students a fee to get their FAFSA completed, and it's a totally free application. In mm. fact, now that it's an online application, it's very difficult to make a mistake because they will not let you uh, allow you to go on or they'll have you recheck the information. And so there are also lots of free assistance, even as certain colleges will, will offer a FAFSA or the um, HES does a, a um, college goal program. They usually do where they can actually offer that, that one-on-one assistance to get that application filled out. So a lot of Parents may, be, may even have trepidation with filling it, filling it out, but as William uh, pointed out, it is the gateway. It is the step. It is the way that you report income or information or the story or situation to see what kind of um, a federal and even state aid you may be eligible for. That's correct. Mm-hmm. And, and, certainly, and certainly, Madam Sherrington makes a great point because if you hear of anyone who is charging you a fee to fill it out, right. please run the right. other way. <laughs> run, the, run the other way because mm. now a little history 
these forms back in the Stone Age were paper and pencil forms. <laughs> and the original FAFSA, or the FAF as it was known, was a hundred or so questions. Mm. And you had to fill in the dots, the ovals, in order to complete that application. Certainly it's more simplified at this point and as long, well, there are a couple of layers to this. The dependent person's parent, guardian, who claims them as a dependent, and they have filed a federal income tax return, that is the first layer. And as long as that form has been filed, then the information can easily be retrieved. There's an IRS retrieval link, and most schools now, and I think we may talk about this a little bit later, go under what's called the prior, prior year. As we now enter the 22-23 academic year, starting in the fall, we are now looking at the 2020 income tax, federal income tax return to file for that FAFSA. Now, we know that 2020, for many impacted by COVID and the pandemic, and certainly incomes have shifted. And maybe we talk a little later about what that means in terms of applying to the opportunity programs, because there's certainly a background and history to that as well. We won't bore you with the details right now, but it's something part of a discussion I'm sure we'll have later within this hour. But in the in the short term, the FAFSA is that gateway form so that a student will know how much money, how much free money, F-R-E-E again that they will be able to use to defray the cost of their education. Got it. Got it. Got it. That makes sense. Um, another thing uh, now, I know you're talking about things done in the past. Now, um, in the past, you know, it used to be that you apply to schools individually. You know, if you're applying to five schools, you got to do five different applications and communicate with all five different schools and things like that. But now we have access to the common app. So I kind of wanted um, you know, you guys to kind of explain exactly what the common app is um, for those that don't know, because I think it's super duper useful and some people still don't know about it and they're trying to go the old school approach when it comes to uh, applying. So we'll start with Ms. Shervinson. Ms. Shervinson, um, can you share with um, us about the common absolutely, app? Absolutely. Absolutely. The common application definitely streamlined the application process because it's a centralized um uh, location of a, a, a document uh, finder for the colleges. And so the student just fills out that one application. They list the schools and colleges. Right now, if you're a college senior, you definitely should by now, you should have gone on a college application because now you have to use it in conjunction with a program called Naviance. And I don't know if, if William, if, um, um, you know, um, I know with some of the, the, uh, the two-year colleges, they go directly to the portable, but for the four-year institutions, most of them are utilizing the common application. Now, even within the common app, you may be required to do what they call supplemental applications because some of the schools may require a little bit more information or they may have additional essays, but once you put in the name of the school on the Common App, the, the Common Application will tell you exactly if a, a supplemental application is required. For many students, they don't know that there's also a historically Black college Common Application whereby you pay one $35 fee and your information will be disseminated to many of the historically Black colleges for that one fee. 
And then um, you will begin to get communications and actually letters of acceptance through that historically black college common application. So there's the common application. And then if you're interested in, in looking at some of the HBCUs, you definitely want to go on to that app as well. The other thing about the common application, it is does have a link whereby your, your guidance counselor can upload the transcript one time. The guidance counselor can verify whether you get free or reduced lunch, which is very important. If a student gets free or reduced lunch or if they're in foster care or there's some type of ex- extenuating circumstance, they can get their college application fees waived. Even now, one college could cost $50 just to apply, $75, $100. I'm sure Mr. Clyde can attest to that fact. Um, And so we want students who are receiving free or reduced lunch to make sure that they get that verified so that they can make sure that they get their college application fees waived. And you can do that because the guidance counselor has a a link that's attached to the Common App so that the colleges see that this student is a recipient of any of of the um, the federal free lunch program. And that's significant. That's significant for the school. The last thing you want to do is to have a student not apply to college because they feel that they don't have the college application uh, fee money available. Mm. I, and let me, let me chime in on this, Madam Sherrington. Now that rings true for all the other SUNYs except Nassau Community College. Nassau Community College does not participate in the common application. Exactly. Right. They they have to fill out an a paper application. And unfortunately, if they're applying through our through EOP, we can't waive that fee because that is tied to the county money. Mm-hmm. So that's just one aside to what is the common app for most other SUNYs. Nassau Community College unfortunately does not participate in the common app. Right. Got it. Got it. I, I didn't even know there was a HBCU common app like that. That is good. Black College Common App. You can Google it; it'll take you right to the link, and it's fabulous. Good to know. Good to know. Thank you for that, Miss Shervington. Um, Absolutely. And but but as uh, and I'm going to say Dr. Clyde because I'm going to you know that's how I address you. <laughs> um, but anyway, William, um, not all of the HBCUs participate in the historically black college common application. When your child goes on the website, there'll be a list of the schools and colleges that do participate. So you want to make sure that if you're going for a specific, like Howard University, you may have to do a direct application. In fact, you do. I know that they're not on there. Um, They weren't as of recent. Maybe they added this year. So every year it changes. But there are a, a great many of them that are on that application. You know, and that goes to the research again, um, having the students get engaged in terms of taking a look at schools and colleges. There's also a uh, resource that I tell students is called the RUGS, R-U-G-G-S, the RUGS Recommended List of College Majors. And so students can just, especially now, just look up schools that are known for specific majors so that they have schools that are in the top tiers, um, you know, uh, reach schools, schools that uh, um, have uh, stringent requirements, um, and they can kind of match up what they have to offer and take a look at what those schools are requiring as far as admissions. So that's that, those are the, the types of things that they should be talking about with their guidance counselors as well. Got it, got it. That makes sense. Um, another uh, thing I wanted to tackle was uh, TAP. I know... Um, 
Mr. Clive, we talked about TAP uh, a while back, and I know you said because of COVID, the uh, TAP was, um, you know, wasn't, there wasn't uh, the same amount of money that usually is given because of COVID. So uh, can you just explain for us what TAP is and then give us like kind of the update now that, you know, things are a little bit different? Sure. Um, All right. Well, Madam Sherman referenced earlier HESC, the, the acronym, the Higher Education Services Corporation in the state of New York. They are the arbiters of the application process with HESC. TAP came into existence again last century for those of us of a certain ilk and age where the legislative monies were provided to help supplement educational costs for New York State residents. It's a solid program. And again, we always look at advocacy to help support the funding levels for these specific financial aid and grant programs. So the threshold right now If you are a New York State resident and have an adjusted gross state income of less than $80,000, you would be TAP eligible. We mentioned the FAFSA earlier. You can apply to the TAP award through a link in the FAFSA. So as our young people are applying for financial aid for all their colleges, certainly if they are looking to apply to New York State schools, They need to pay attention to that link when you do the FAFSA, or you can go right to the hesc.ny.org, I believe it is, to um, apply for the New York State Tuition Assistance Program. And again, amounts will range. I think the maximum award right now is just over $6,000 a year Mm. for TAP. And free, free money, right? We're talking about we're not paying it back, no loan. F R E E. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Another free um, opportunity. I know we talked about before too was the um, Excelsior um, scholarship, right? And I think they did away with it for a little bit because of COVID. Is there any updates on that? My understanding with Excelsior, it's it's still a program for many New York State residents. Again, the threshold for eligibility, if you have a an income of $125,000 or less, the eligibility threshold is up to that, whether it's a joint or single income in New York. There are certain requirements, though, to be an Excelsior scholarship recipient. One, you have to complete a minimum of 30 credits a year, and it has a grade point average requirement of above 3.0 or better to maintain that to maintain that award. Got it. Got it. And um, I, excuse I, me. And also, um, Dr. Clyde, uh, is there a, a an employment um, articulation associated with that um, tuition uh, award? I, I thought there my, was some type of two years. My understanding. My understanding of that. State or did they go? You see, I now I've not looked at this year's provision. At the onset, yeah, at the onset, you had to basically stay in New York upon completing your degree or else it would Mm -hmm. convert to a loan. Mm. Yeah, I can remember that. That was was the guidance department's orientation to the program. Okay. I think uh, Dr. Robinson had a question. Did you have a question, Dr. Robinson? Uh, Just a quick comment, and that was about the... um, the CSS, so the College Board CSS 
financial disclosure form, I was unaware that that was a requirement. I was aware of the FAFSA, but because my daughter applied to some top tier colleges, we had to do a CSS and it's not a free application. It's required. Um, I'm a single parent, but they required the documentation for her biological father, which was a major issue. And um, that's something that you should be aware of. And then I think students should be aware. Don't be afraid to apply to top tier colleges because they do have lots of scholarship um, monies, but they do require an additional disclosure form above and beyond the FAFSA. So I think that and um, a lot of parents are unaware and they need to know that that is uh, required. And I just want to say hello to Dr. Clyde because I got my doctorate degree from LIU and I have seen him many times. So peace and greetings. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you for that, my dear, my dear sister. Appreciate that. <laughs> and, and you are correct that in that applying to having your dependent children apply to top tier schools, that CSS profile is a requirement. I can say that when my daughter was applying to schools, I had to do the same. Mm -hmm. So depending on what your situation was, then that disclosure from the non-custodial parent was required. Yes. Right. Got it, got it. And let me just chime in mm -hmm. in case there are any parents that have students that are eligible for a top tier admission, but, um, you know, have a, a financial need as well. There is a program, and I know you've mentioned that, um, you know, hopefully there's some pen and paper out there. So I'm getting my pencil out right this, now. This is being recorded. <laughs> now, it's for students, it's for new students who are, you know, you can look into it, but you want to have your students Google Quest Bridge. QuestBridge. And QuestBridge is a program for traditionally bypassed populations, minority students, to get them access and information and assistance with those top tier schools. There's a lot of, um, uh, even juniors, I would say, even anybody that has a student in high school that's in the top 10, 15% of their graduating class, a minority student, they definitely want to check into the QuestBridge program because that will assist them with getting admission. And, you know, congratulations on your daughter, Dr. Robinson, into uh, getting into Brown. Um, but it definitely is a gateway for our students to get into these programs. It's called I, I wanted to just add one more thing. First of all, for her, my both of my parents are Howard University alumni, and Black colleges really got us to where we are. But her going to an Ivy League college was like getting a, you know, your kid becoming the president for us. Absolutely. <laughs> and I wanted to just share with everyone that 90% of the students that were admitted into her incoming class did not submit SAT scores. Mm. Right. Which means that all of the money that we spend on SAT prep and SAT mm -hmm. applications and all of those exams, 90% of those students that got into Brown University, which is an Ivy League school, did not submit SAT scores. Now, she had yeah. over 1,400 on her SATs, and she didn't submit hers either. 
She didn't have to. Yeah, a lot of the schools to. and colleges are going SAT optional. Optional. Mm-hmm. So, so Dr. Robinson, what do you think was the major factor in her getting in there? She had. She was the president of seven clubs. Her extracurricular activities were was stellar, and she her average was one hundred and two, and that was a yeah. that was that was her GPA. Oh, you showing off now? You showing I off, Dr. Well, let me. Dr. Robinson, listen, listen. I'm good role model. <laughs> let's let's be clear. Let's be clear. We have to tell our young people that grades are rewarding. Yes. And they are rewarded. Yeah, so, that is so true. Listen, Absolutely. It, it it is it is it is cool to be cool, but it's also mm-hmm. cool to be smart. So we have to shift That's that right. narrative with our young adults about academic pursuit, intellectual capital and what that means as they enter the academy. Mm. Agreed, agreed. Absolutely. absolutely. Uh, all right. So after we get the free money, uh, there might be some change left over and we might have to hit up the uh, federal or private student loan. So, um, you know, based off what you, you, you know, uh, Mr. Claude and uh, Ms. Shrevenson, uh, can you share some information with us just about, you know, what to look for with, with the loans? Um, I know just from my own personal experience in college and, you know, other people like, uh, Loans could be super duper tricky and, um, you know, this is all type of language that we just don't understand. And um, when we'll pay, when we're supposed to pay it back, if it is it while we're going to school, after we graduate, how many. So can you can you guys just share with us uh, some things that you think we should know just about the loans and um, when it's worthwhile to take them out? Uh, and just basically information that you you, you have for us that, that, you know. All right. Let me and then I'll start this and then you'll chime. Certainly when we talk about cost of attendance. We need to know the price of what we're buying. <laughs> and certainly colleges are no different. They have a price point and a price tag. And you have to do simple arithmetic to suggest you do. how much how much aid am I receiving, whether free or not? How much scholarship are they offering? Am I going to be a resident student or am I going to commute? And then what does the institution offer? And then and to what Antoinette mentioned earlier, what are some of the outside sources? Our churches, our philanthropic organizations that could help also to defray costs. So it's basically addition by subtraction. And then whatever is left, then either it is a loan or what we then call self-help. Now, my argument with my dear friends in financial aid would suggest that loan is financial aid. I don't come from that school of thought. A loan is just that. It's a loan. And it's something that you do have to pay back. My my colleagues and I fight over that, but I said, okay, for the purposes of financially packaging, they list that as parts of financial assistance. Mm-hmm. Whether you buy into it or not, it's understandable that there's going to be a gap between what you have in aid versus what you need. And that need in some instances, depending on the institution, would have to be covered by a loan. Now, unless you have money under the mattress or you are participating in some underground economy that we don't have to share on this call, (laughs) the gap will not be made up unless you then take out that loan. Now, it's rare that, and and again, we're, we're speaking to us here this evening, we're not going right, to go right. to the bursar with a wheelbarrow with cash and say, 
pay my dependent child's bill. We're not doing that. Mm. If you do, great. But that's not the scene at many Bursar's offices, whether historically black or predominantly white. That is so, correct. So we have to figure a strategy and mechanism that's going to best meet my dependent child's costs. Again, scholarships, free monies, all that notwithstanding. And then what is the difference? Gotcha. That is that is absolutely correct. And, and that's why I'm a tenement. When a student comes into my office as a 10th grader, we begin to look at those scholarships so that I could show them what that scholarship outside would look like. One of my best resources is a live link scholarship um, uh, platform called 200 Minority Black Excel Scholarships. I love that database. My own child has gotten scholarships from that database. You click on the, the, the name of the scholarship, it takes you directly to that application. That's where you get the Ron Brown, the Thurgood Marshall, the Jackie Robinson. All of the fraternities and sororities have this, the AKAs. And, you know, I know, Paul, you know, I know you're in a frat. But, you know, I don't know if your frat is up there, but you want to make sure you don't have to be part of that organization to get the money. I am not an Alpha Kappa Alpha sorority member, but my daughter has gotten two Alpha Kappa Alpha National Sorority Scholarships through that website. We as a people need to make sure that we are proactive in getting that money. There's so many corporations. So you're looking at the United Negro College Fund if you're on the HBCU campus. The Thurgood Marshall has money. Every organization has money. These businesses have money. Um, Coles, kids for Coles who care, community service, you talk about that. So you want to let them know that, and, and again, letting them see that this is a real possibility. Now, we're talking real, um, I'm going I'm to go into my mama hat. You talked about, everyone talked about their child. I am African-American from the South, but my daughter, if you Google my daughter's name, she got the Puerto Rican Coalition Scholarship. Are, are you hearing what I'm saying? Mm. So every scholarship that's out there that your child is eligible for, you need to apply. Yes, you need amen. a competitive yes, resume outlining their academic merit. You need a competitive resume outlining their, your clubs and organizations. Leadership's very key. Dr. Robinson, you said your daughter was the president of seven. A very key, whether they're president, executive board, active member, very key, along with those letters of recommendation supporting that. Mm. Again, 200 Minority Black Excel Scholarships. Google it. It'll bring you to 200 live links. If it's just us on the call and it's just us on the call. Clark, William, you just talked about our houses of worship. The National Baptist Convention USA just gave three $2,500 KF scholarships and zelled it to the kids' account. My daughter just got one of them and it's because we've been proactive and when i when i when i have students in front of me i look at them as for this moment in time i am their surrogate parent so the advice that i'm giving mm -hmm. you tonight is the same advice that i'm giving to all of the students the same things that i hold my own child accountable for do the college essays tweak the essays the money is there now if you have a pen and paper I'm going to give you another website that's constantly giving money, believe it or not. It's Denny's, you know, the pancake people, 
Denny's hungry mm. for education. There are seven major corporations that gave give money. The kids just have to answer a question. Google it. You're going to see my daughter's name up there. Brianna killed it. She got, and I'm just telling, I'm just saying, Bree, apply. Bree, apply. Other students that I've worked with in the Brentwood School District have gotten similar results. So if you're a parent on a call, if you're a student on this call, if you're an educator on this call, you got to get them engaged and in line with getting that corporate money. And if you need to reach out to me, I'd be more than happy to, you know, I'm very accessible. Um, I love talking with students. I could sit down with anyone and show them what that competitive scholarship portfolio looks like. Hmm. Good to know. Thank you for that, Ms. Shervington. When my daughter's going to college, I'm hitting you up. That's what I do. I mean, I just, (laughs) and it's every level. It's even vocational scholarship. Let me tell you, Northwell, you know, they've been administering all the COVID exams. They just came into our school district. They are going to have about 20 college scholarships available for our students, full paid rides. They're starting with the cohort, the freshman students of, that I'm working with this year. They're going to track them. They're going to get them involved in different seminars. The money is there. The money is there. Our kids need to find out about it. Indeed, indeed. And, and you know, a lot of times, again, we don't have amazing guidance counselors like Ms. Shervington. It's not even known that the money is there. I have students, young people telling me I can't go to college because I can't afford it. You know, That's my family. You, you, Mr. Jermaine, you're going to have to email me. I, I'll be more than happy yes, to just, yes. you know, email you this information so that you can put it out there. You can, you know, have it tangible on your websites. Uh, we need to share this information. Agreed, agreed. And uh, the, by the way, the Denny's Hungry for Education Scholarship, you can apply every year. Hmm. So if you have a, a winner in their freshman year, they can continue to apply. And the Tom Joyner Foundation is linked to that that um, that particular. You'll see it if you go on. It's called Denny's Hungry for Education. Google it. Good to know. Good to know. That's have, one of uh, many. The other, I have to mm-hmm. just say this, and, and William, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm gonna give give you back the platform. The for our people, because this is what I was told this call was about. You want to go to Black. <laughs> you want to go to um, BlackExcel.com. Um, blackscholarships.com, all of the, now that's the Jay-Z and Beyonce scholarship is up there. All of the majors, I'm telling you, the money is out there hmm. for our students. Indeed, indeed. All right. It's just the allow, information we're missing. Allow me to add this piece. Certainly when our young adults land at these institutions, there are also institutional monies that they can apply for as well. So whether it be through an honors platform, some alumni platform, a parents and friends platform. So there is also, there are also monies that the institution has that provide additional assistance for students. And more often than not, they are contingent upon grades. So again, that's why we say elevate your intellectual status, because that will also pay dividends for you while you're in school. Indeed, indeed. Uh, we have Mr. Harrison. Yeah, he had his hand up uh, for a question. Mr. Harrison? Yeah, I get, I get these phone calls all the time. Loan forgiveness. Is that a scam or is it a real thing? 
I think depending on what number you that that dialed you. <laughs> I'm in a loan yeah. forgiveness program right now. That's legitimate. I'm in a legitimate loan forgiveness program because I'm a public school teacher and I work for um, a government agency, and um, I, it sa- it saves me thousands of dollars every month. Well, and let me let me amplify that for those of our young adults who are in pursuing either medical or dental school, those options are available in terms of loan forgiveness. It's through an application process. Mm-hmm. That That's also very competitive. Uh, my daughter is seeking one as she is now a fourth year dental student down at Meharry. So she doesn't know if she'll get it, but she certainly has applied. She's done her Absolutely. research in, in order to do that. So yes, for those who have earned their degrees and have looked to have those deferred or certainly at a limited payback amount, they're out there. I don't think people will randomly call you to ask for loan forgiveness unless it's a scam. And that's just (laughs) me talking. Um, But obviously you have to do your diligence to suggest what is or is not. Mm. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, Any other questions before we move on? All right. Um, Is it possible... um all of those loan links because that's like a, a set of goal information um that mr g can post them on the on the whenever you post this um information yes yes that's a great idea mr harrison i will attach everything onto the um the description of the program we'll attach all the all the websites mentioned and um all the little gems that we got today definitely sure thank you yes sir all right. Um, other questions? I have a million questions, so I'm just, I, I was just trying to give people an opportunity if they had any questions to ask. That's why, Mrs. Zilson, remember, it's Saturday night. And- <laughs> <laughs> indeed, indeed. We, we, I was just thinking, man, if we have to, we, we might just have to do a part two, man. But um, I do have a million questions as usual. Uh, uh, Ms., uh, Professor Robinson, do you have anything? No, I'm, I'm just going to... Um- Miss Sherrington, I'm just gonna pick her brain and just start sending kids to her. <laughs> and just, I'm just gonna bypass. As you program. have done in the past, Absolutely. that is fine with me, Paul. I mean, don't, don't act like you haven't, because you and I know you have, and that's Absolutely. perfectly fine. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna send them. I'm just, I'm just laying in the cut right now, just listening. A lot of helpful information. Just invite. You know, invite me out. I'll come out. I'll come out wherever you are. You know, I know you had an assemblage of students this summer that you work with. I don't know how many, um, um, you know, it panned out in terms of your your only nineteen. Only nineteen. That's not. That's not a lot. You can handle that. That's significant. It only takes one. That's all. It's just one. You you stop it. You know. I know that. So if you have any, you know, if you want to do anything with those kids, let me know. Absolutely. Absolutely. We shall. All right. Um, I do have a heavy duty question for uh, the both of you. So I think each of you can tackle a part of it. So, um, I know Ms. Trevington, we were talking about like earlier on, like that students should obviously not be waiting to their senior year to start getting things done. They should be getting things done way before then. So, um, Ms. Trevington, if you could tackle for me, like, uh, junior year, what, you know, if I'm a junior, I'm obviously looking into getting to college and everything. Like, what should I be looking at doing? And then we will hit up the senior year for Mr. Clyde. So, Ms. Shervington, uh, junior okay. year, what, what am I doing? Um, well, one of the things that juniors should do 
so that they can stay on track. If they go to College Board, collegeboard.org, that College Board has a uh, junior year checklist um, and it's broken down by months. And so I always like to have that in my office, something tangible to say, well, let's take a look and see what you should be doing. Right now, even as we are talking, there are virtual, virtual college tours that are being put together and advertised. Um, I, again, I don't know if that district, whatever district they attend, they should be going to that guidance department and finding out where do I find out about the college tours? Where do I find out about even some schools are still doing on-site college visits where they have college admissions offices travel to that institution or travel to that high school. They give a, a presentation about their admissions. They take the students, they answer questions. That's wonderful face-to-face -face engagement. And again, there's virtual engagement because of COVID. So they want to find out how do I register for the, um, the college admissions tours? That's very important. And a lot of them are taking place. In fact, as a guidance counselor, I got notification that the CUNY tours are starting. I know, um, uh, Dr. Clyde can talk about this, the SUNY college tours that are coming. That's a great way for juniors to get out there. There's no pressure. They're talking to different college reps. They're doing a virtual ver uh, bird's eye view of what the campus culture looks like on a particular campus. What are the popular majors for each particular institution? Um, I have kids all the time, Miss, Miss, I want to go to Syracuse University. They have no idea the popular majors or the, the what Syracuse experience looks like. So a lot of times there are virtual college tours now that they can take online. Mm. All students should by now know about what a program called Naviance. Naviance is a, a college search engine, and it's also now required that students who complete the Common App link that with the Naviance for most of the colleges. Again, there are those few exceptions. So they should be learning about what those programs are that they need to apply for college. Now, it is true that many schools and colleges are SAT and ACT test optional. And so they can even Google um, the uh, FAIR college uh, website um, and they'll, they'll get that information. However, as a junior, if you have a student with very high aptitudes and they take the PSAT in their junior year, they may qualify for a national merit scholarship. So even if as seniors, they may not use that score. If you are a junior, you definitely in the fall should register to take that PSAT exam. Not only will it give you an idea of what the SAT looks like, and also your guidance counselor will get your PSAT scores and kind of can go over with some areas that you may want to augment or strengthen. Um, but again, that PSAT scores, the junior may yield um, the National Merit Scholarship. And I see Dr. Robinson um, put in, yes, I guess perhaps her daughter, I'm sure, with her scores and aptitudes might have also been offered a National Merit Scholarship. So that's important. Just don't blow those exams off. Take those exams and they'll give you some insightful information. Um, if students are interested in the uh, military, they should be talking to their recruiter right now because there's a military battery uh, test called the ASVAB. And if you take the military battery test, it's kind of like a career assessment to find out what positions in the military or your MOS, your specialty area of training, 
that you qualify for, and that's going to be based on your ASVAB score. Not everybody's going into military intelligence. You may be in infantry. You may be, you know, and that's going to be based on your skills. And it's a lot of different things as juniors that you can do. But um, starting to assess your skills and your abilities and your aptitudes is a big key of junior year. And also, remember, the junior year is critical. It's critical to building that, that GPA because when you are going into your senior year, your GPA that you're putting down on those college applications are going to be based on any accelerated eighth grade, ninth grade, 10th grade, and that junior year. That's going to make up your GPA that you're going to be utilizing in the fall. Because remember, you're applying to college at the beginning of your senior year. And it's critical to get those relationships with teachers. Your junior year teachers are the ones who are apt to write those letters of recommendations for you. And so building relationships, doing the clubs and activities. This is your junior shine. Take advantage of that junior year energy. Thank you for that, Ms. Shervington. Um, Junior year. Got it, got it. Junior year. Serious year. It's funny. I didn't even think about... I mean, they're all serious. I didn't even think about, like, you know, starting to do, like, college tours and things like that junior year because, you know, you you can cover so many colleges if you start, you know, earlier on you know, as opposed to waiting your senior year and everything. So that definitely a great tip. Absolutely. I mean, and, and also, let me just say this. The historically black fraternities and sororities are big on sponsoring college tours. The Alpha Phi Alpha College Tour is coming up. Delta Sigma Theta has a college tour. In the past, they were actually face-to-face busloads of students. However, there are virtual tours. I can send you the link. You got to get my email. I'll send you everything that I have in my computer at work. I'll be more than happy to send it to you. They are recruiting informational virtual tours, mentorship. It's just an amazing um, resource that we have out there in our culture, and we want to take advantage of that as well. Yes, thank you for that, Ms. Shervington. Um, Mr. Clyde, uh, senior year. I got everything, went to the tours spoke with everybody I need to speak to. My grades are on point. Senior year, what am I looking at? Well, hopefully you have now developed a plan which says, here are the schools that I like to apply to. We don't have enough time tonight to talk about whether a school is a safe school, reach school, or middle ground school. I have my own thoughts about it, and I don't want to throw any acetylene on that conversation tonight. Allow me to say this, that we need to ask our young adults to look at what schools that they're applying to. Let's look at all these factors. Does it have your major? Are you in into activities? Do you want to go to a large school? Do you want to go to a small school? Is diversity an important issue? Is social justice an issue? So we get our young people thinking, I don't like to say out of the box, but certainly thinking very wide in terms of the things that they connect with. Hopefully they have developed that from the time they reached their junior year. They may not have it right away. So it's certainly an ongoing process. And at the same time, looking at schools, certainly they have an academic career in mind. So you Mm -hmm. want to match that academic career with the institution that best suits that, that major. And if so, great. And does my academic profile match the profile that 
is a level of admittance at that mm. institution. So you don't want to go to the gate and have it closed because you don't meet the requirement. You certainly want to feel that you have as much of a competitive shot based on your academic profile. And since we have not talked, well, have talked about SAT optional schools, the SAT may not be a factor. So does my academic profile match the institution that I'm applying to? What about my personal statement? What about my story? What about my story that I'm going to share to that admissions committee or that admissions counselor? I've read thousands of personal essays over the years. And for me, that's an open door to who that young person is. Now, you want to look at writing style. Do they have some command of the English language? Do they write in text form or do they write in what we call standard English form? Because then that also tells me what sort of educational experience that they've had at the high school level. Hmm. So there's a parallel there. Now, we, we know what schools, and if we talk long out, again, we don't have enough time tonight to discuss what that is for hmm. many of our children who are exposed in these various districts. But we hope that that young person who writes this essay conveys a style and you get to know who they are. They don't have to write about their grandma or their, or, or someone significant, but as long as they, it has a beginning, middle and end. And is it clear and is it coherent? Certainly that's what I would look for as the opportunity program director in an essay. Does that student, have they decided or so they have made a plan about the type of school that they want to go to. Are they open to leaving Long Island? Because some of our children don't want to leave the block or leave the neighborhood. Mm. There are certainly many institutions that could provide wonderful opportunity for them as long as they feel that they belong. Because I always say when a student, particularly if they can visit the campus, and I know COVID has certainly changed that narrative in, in regard to how students look at institutions nowadays. Certainly in our heyday, when a student walked on campus and they looked around, what did they see? Was their reflection somewhere noticeable? What did their gut feeling say as they looked around? Who was there? Who did they talk to? How were they treated? Because you will, you will immediately tell, students will give you that bottom line. The key is, how does staff at that institution treat that student when they ask a question? Hmm. Because students don't know what they don't know. Because to say that you should know, well, no, that's not the case. They're asking the question of you because they don't know. And how that interaction takes place and what that response and that visceral response from that student, they'll say, oh, I can't go here. Because if I went to an administrative office, because again, all that can be very intimidating as we, as we know. Again, whether, whether you go to an HBCU or you go to a predominantly white one, you would hope that there's a level of professionalism and compassion when that young adult walks within that presence. Again, students are good at that. <laughs> we, we've had these challenges now because of COVID because then the socialization has been missing. I won't say lacking, it's been missing. So in that senior year, have they developed a plan of how many places they will apply to? Is their essay type? Have they come across those schools that they can put in a box and say, if I'm applying to all of these schools, if I'm applying to all of these schools and all but one rejects me, 
am I going to go to that school? That's how I, that's how I kind of split it. Because you could apply to a lot of places and get in the door. But there's that student whose profile, whatever it, whatever it says, if you're applying to these schools, you're saying, in effect, that I couldn't make the choice, all things being equal, that that's the school that I'm going to attend. So you also have to be strategic about how many schools that you are applying to. That makes sense. That makes sense. That makes sense. And then, you know, when it's all said and done and we get the, uh, the acceptance letters, um, how do you think you go about making that decision? Like where it is that you're going to go and, um, you know, just from there? Well, it could come down to a lot of things. You know, did I visit the campus? I mean, obviously you want to look at the bottom line in terms of the financial aid. Mm-hmm. That, that is, that is, that is going to be, that is going to be the key. Dollars and cents will trump, and I don't want to use that word, but will. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Will, Absolutely. Will, will conquer all. And, right. and it's, and it's, and it's a difficult discussion that our young people will have with their parent because the parent's going to say, I can only afford this. Mm-hmm. What I like to tell our young people is that you have to make the case to your parent as to why this choice of institution works for me. Now, again, this is not being in opposition because I was that parent. Okay. If we're honest about what we are telling our young people, because the choice that they make about college, arguably short of getting married and then buying your first major home or purchase is the most significant decision that our young adults are going to make. So if they're vested in it. So they have to say, or certainly share with their parent or significant caretakers, this is why I want to attend this school. Now, that still may say I can't afford, and the parent may say I can't afford that price tag. That's okay. We want to hear our young adults out. Sometimes that doesn't always happen, and I've been witness to it. Because then what then happens, that young adult, comes to that institution based on what the parent says, and they're not happy. Mm. They will do self-sabotage to not do well. Again, this is what I've seen, not very often, but it's happened enough times in my career as certainly the HEOP director, not so much now as my new role as the EOP director, that that now takes that young adult in a, in a very dark hole, in a very, in a very deep place. Do you think the Ivy League name really matters when it comes to, you know, um, being first, getting a job somewhere, competing with the population? Listen, we understand that when we look at the, the Ivy institutions, let's understand the elitism that comes with them. That's not saying that our black and brown folks who have attended these schools haven't done well and they haven't earned their keep to be there. But I would certainly suggest that those of our black and brown folks who attended and successfully earned their degrees at Ivy League schools are certainly doing well. But you also understand that they had to go through hell mm-hmm. in many cases to not only prove that they belong, but in, in, in more instances than not, are better than their white counterparts that they sat in class with. Mm-hmm. So yes, there is something about the Ivy mystique that that leads, good, bad, or indifferent. 
Well, but let's also and, understand. And that's the reality base, right? Yeah, that's the reality base of the name. However, what I would say for some of the students that still have those high aptitudes and don't go to an Ivy League, that's where you really need to um, go to that career ed office on your college campus and see what internships, what organizations that college campus is associated with, because a lot of times the internships will turn into full-time job offers. There is an organization specifically for students of color, no matter what college they go to, that match them with Fortune 500 companies. And if you want to write it down so you can add it to the list, it's called En-ROADS, En-ROADS Scholarships or En-ROADS Internship, um, just I-N-R-O-A-D-S. Google it, get your kids involved, your college kids involved, and they get internships with Fortune 500 companies that often turns into jobs. So that's the other side of it. I saw William nodding his head. That's right. No matter where you go, one of the most underutilized offices on a college campus is the Career Development and Education Office. Am I right, William? That is correct. And, and actually, let's do this. When you are sharing with your young adults as you're looking at selecting colleges, that's probably the first office you go to because you want to say, first of all, what majors are the most popular and which ones lead directly to employment. They're going to tell you that. They so let's, let, let's understand the pursuit of the degree. It could be lofty. However, that job possibility or what you need to do to be gainfully employed upon earning the degree may have a short shelf life. Again, that's not throwing water on the goal or aspiration of your dependent child that has a major right. that they see that they want to do. And we don't want to, they, we don't want to kill that dream. And at the same time, let's also understand what are the, what does the future hold? And more than anything, whether you are at an HBCU or you at a PWI, as we call them, the white institution, mm-hmm. it's about networking. We have to let our young people know that who you meet more often than not is going to dictate the terms of where you land. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well said, well Absolutely, said. Yeah. I definitely feel like we can go on and on and on, and I, we might have to do a part two, man, because I, I feel like there's just so much. You guys just have so much gems and information, man. I feel like you know we definitely have to bring you back and do a part two. Um, you know, Absolutely. just to get nope, not a problem anytime, anytime, and I and I really mean that too, because there's just so much out there and so many things that we didn't even get a chance to talk about. Indeed. And I just want to get one last one that I know, Ms. Trevington, I did speak to you about that you were very passionate about was um, the whole idea of the social media component. And I think that a lot of young people don't really think about that in regards to college. They might think about it for jobs and stuff like that. So glad you brought that back up. Yes, we did have an earlier conversation about it. And we were talking about um, students in high school not realizing that when it comes to college scholarships, when it comes to internships, even when it comes down to admissions with certain institutions, um, the social media image that comes up when someone Googles your name and someone may want to know whether you are scholarship worthy, a lot of um, uh, endowments that are out there, they need to make a decision. And it could be 
between you and someone that has the same credentials. But because when your name is researched, there's something very negative or some damaging videos or uh, social commentary. You have to be very, very careful. And I tell the kids, you know, social media, it's a digital imprint of who you are and what you, what you want. So if there's something that you want hidden, do not post it because mm. nine times out of 10, once you, you can't retract it, that's your image. That's your, they just don't get it. And so I always spend time talking about that moving forward as a, a young person who is going to be hopefully gainfully employed that can come up in an interview that can cause you to not be selected for a job. Exactly. Exactly. And that would be super duper embarrassing. Imagine an interview and they're going back to your social media, like, <laughs> listen, okay, so Paul Robinson, Paul, thank goodness the Brockport days. <laughs> Paul, we were on the campus at the same time. Yes, we were. Oh, look, I'm going to have to just go like this on you on that one. <laughs> okay. Oh, man. <laughs> What happens in college stays in college, right? Well, see, well, see, wait, 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 wait. See, I can't all, even. All, although, although we may have secrets, there is nothing sacred. Exactly. <laughs> and on that note, we're going to wrap this up. <laughs> Again, man. Um... <laughs> and Johnny, that's all I can say. Yes. I there are no other words. <laughs> yeah, I think um we definitely gonna have you guys back on, man. Um I have like a list of questions still that we gotta get answered, so we gotta we gotta get those through. Um but thank you so much, uh, you know, uh Mr. Clyde, uh Ms. Shervington, just for uh the, your time Saturday night. You know, you could have been with your family doing something else, but you spent time with us giving us valuable gems and information that we will definitely be sharing and getting it out there um, to the people that need it. And I feel like there's a lot of people that need it because, again, not everybody has a guidance counselor like Ms. Shervington or um, somebody in the college level like Mr. Clyde that's willing to spend quality time on our youth and guide them through the process of, you know, things that nobody tells us about. So, again, thank you so much for, you know, your input today. And um, if you guys have final thoughts, you could leave us with some final thoughts. Uh, it's just a process, you know, um, information is very empowering. There's lots of information out there. If you don't know, ask, um, don't be afraid to initiate conversation or, um, send that email, that paper trail that we talked about, that open communication, you know, and if you're a student or a parent and you really just don't know where to begin, make that part of your initial introduction. I need help with X, Y, and Z and put it out there and just keep an eye out, find out where your district posts information about different college fairs, back to school night, college night, on-site college admissions that occur throughout the year that save you money. A lot of times when admissions counselors actually come to the high school, they're reviewing transcript. They're giving a kid a conditional letter of acceptance based upon the completion of whatever coursework they're in. Um, and I've seen that happen over and over and over and over again. So, you know, just get as much information as you can and don't be afraid to reach out. Mm. My final my final thought is that we need our young people to read, mm. not just look at their email. They need to read. 
content and context is critical and follow-up and accountability helps them get to the next level. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. Uh, Dr. Robinson, uh, Professor Robinson, any final words? Yes, thank you so much for your time and all of the information you shared. Thank you as well. It's you been uh, very helpful. Some of, some of my people are texting me now. We're making appointments with guidance counselors on Monday. So, <laughs> Absolutely. Good That's for great. them. That's right. Definitely. Make, make that counselor work. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, I, I also, I work in a school in New York City and we don't have as many guidance counselors. So they give teachers, I'm a teacher that teaches a class called College and Careers. Right. They, yeah. they make teachers do some of this work. So I might have to reach out to you for some resources. Not a problem. Not, um, Paul, please circulate my email to, you know, um, your colleagues in this, this chat. Okay. Um, you know, and, and we'll get that. I'll get information to you and you could just send it out. Well, look for a call for me on Monday. <laughs> okay. On Monday. I'll be looking forward to it. Absolutely. William uh, and I are on the phone all the time. Okay. Yes, yes, we are. <laughs> In fact, we have another Zoom coming up to okay. discuss a mentorship program real soon, right? Hmm. Wednesday night, uh, we just we just spend yeah, so much yeah. time on so Zoom. I'll see you on a, another Zoom meeting Wednesday night. Dr. Robinson, kudos and congratulations to you and your daughter. Thank you so much. Absolutely, congratulations. And congratulations to you, Miss Sherrington, on your daughter's gra- her senior year. That's major. Thank you so Thank you. much. Yeah, we just got to get her through, and you know, um, she'll be pursuing graduate studies. Actually, she wants to take my job. Mm. She wants to be a school counselor. <sighs> just in the family good black excellence in the family loving it loving it all in right, the um, family yes 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 uh we will we will continue with part two at a later date um because we we still got more gems to give out uh thank you guys for listening to the program today um do not keep this a secret definitely share it with other black people that need it um we got all type of different things from scholarships specifically for us um places where you can go for information uh what's what, what to what to do your senior your junior year um and just how to maneuver through this whole difficult process um and i would just leave off with uh mr clyde and uh Ms. Shervington for those that still need some assistance or some questions can you guys leave your information um so they can possibly uh contact you or sure. ask you a question put, in, uh, put mine in the chat right now Yes. Um, and can, can you just say it I'm too for those of us that are listening? Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, you, you, you reach me certainly at William, W I L L I A M dot C L Y D is in David E is in every at NCC dot edu. And, uh, Ms. Shervington. And, and my email is a Shervington, A S H E R V I N G T O N at B U F as in Frank, S as in Sam, D as in David, B U F S D dot O R G. Um, my work number, and I do take calls, chats, and again, I, you know, really do, I'm very adamant about calling people back is 631 434 2545. That's the, my, uh, work number. So if you email me or outreach to me, I certainly will, uh, give you a call back. Email is quicker because I'm constantly have my email open. 
um, phone calls or in between students face to face, but um, either one is good for me as well. And I will put it in the chat. There it is. Uh, thank you guys so much um, just for sharing all that information with us and sharing your emails. And I'm sure you'll get uh, some people asking questions and everything. I know I am. <laughs> so to be continued, to be continued. Thanks everybody for listening. No problem. And remember, your mind is the most powerful tool in the universe. Therefore, if you can think it, you can do it. If you believe in it, you can be it. And if you fight for it, you can have it. The world is yours. This has been your host, Mr. G, and I will see you next time on Mastermind.